This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. As Christians in our life, as we go out into our daily lives and we try to be a light, an example to our co-workers, to our children, to our families, to our wives, our spouses, uh, to extended family, and we will encounter and we will meet people who don't maybe believe in God or we will encounter people who don't know how they feel about God, right? And so I think as Christians, we need to be well-equipped and prepared to be able to answer questions that people struggle with. I think that that is really important for us. For me, uh, as I deal with my children and their questions, Ava, as she's getting older, has a lot more depth in in her questions that really challenge me. And so I want to look out. I just want to pick one question, not from Ava this morning, but just a question that I think is pretty common that we may experience in our lives and uh, that some people ask questions jabbingly, you know, they, they, they really don't want an answer and they don't really want to know, but some people, people I believe genuinely have a desire to know and to understand. And so we want to address that, that type of heart. So the question that I want to look at is, why does the path to heaven seem so narrow? And a good-hearted person that, that doesn't understand or hasn't been taught properly by their parents, that's a fair question, right? Let's, let's be fair with it for a second. Maybe some of you, you kids in here that are developing in your faith may ask that same very question. That, you know, why does it seem so exclusive? Why is it that, you know... If you're just a good, honest person, that's not good enough. Those are all very sincere, I think, good-hearted questions that, that are worth addressing. So we're going to look at this question in terms of a, a person with, a, with an honest heart, with the desire to understand, maybe even one of our children, that say, Dad, you know, if God is so loving, and I believe He is, and I'm trying to understand Him, then why does the path to heaven seem so restricted? Why does it seem so narrow? So the verse that we'll look at here is in Matthew. <clears throat> it says, enter through the narrow path or the narrow gate. This is, this is one verse in reference to the narrowness of heaven. Okay, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So, in, in honesty, we have, to, we have to, I guess, agree that the path to heaven is narrow. Right? We can't fabricate something that sounds better. We have to be really careful that we don't say, yeah, but, you know, this is what God's Word says to us. It says that the path to enter into heaven is narrow. The gate that, in, that enters it is narrow. And the but the way that leads to destruction, that, that gate's broad and it's wide. And many there be that find it. So we have to deal honestly with the scripture. And if, if we talk with somebody, 
maybe it's this very verse that they've read recently that, that says, wow, that just doesn't quite seem like the God that you want me to believe or the God that you know, I read of in other places that David talks about in Psalms. So let's deal with this. Let's look at this. So in looking at this, I want to talk a lot about the word restrictive, okay? So I want to look at the path, as we look at the path or the gate that leads to heaven, appears to be restricted to some degree, right? Because wide is the other gate, and many there be that find it. It seems much less restricted. Is that a fair statement? Much less restricted. So I want to talk about some, as people say that, well, how dare God be restrictive? I don't, I, I, I can't buy into that. I can't live with that, you know. Well, here I want to address some basic things that I want to look at restrictiveness. I want to look at things that just are. So, for instance, very basic, kids, can a circle be a square? No. No. Okay. Can a square say, I really like the shape of a circle, I think I'll be it? No. Right? That's very basic, and I know that. But the point is that when we look at that square, it's restricted to only being a square. It's restrictive in nature, and it's because it's true. Because it holds truth that it is its shape. It is its own shape. It is a square. So it restricts, naturally, any other shape that wants to call itself a square. If we look at a rectangle who has four corners, it looks a lot like a square. Can it call itself a square? It's restrictive. We live every day by restrictive principles that we, we give no thought to. We don't argue with. We don't say, well, that's not fair, like we do when we look at and deal with God's word. So we hold, we hold ourselves a lot of times, or, or different principles, to a different standard. We allow some restrictions, and we, we don't allow others because it doesn't seem fair to us. Let me give you another one. So these next few we're going to talk about. Truth, by definition, will always be restrictive. And this is key in understanding what we're talking about this morning in talking about the path to heaven, okay? Truth, by definition, will always have an element of restrictiveness, just like with the square and a circle, right? Okay, here's another one. <laughs> Yikes! That's that one, right? Okay, does it make sense now to the adults? <laughs> we like numbers, right? We like 2 plus 2. We like that it equals 4. Right? All the time, every time, without doubt. But if I step on the scale today and I say, <laughs> you know, like, hmm, that's not what I had in mind. I think I'll bump it down 10 pounds or 10, what, 10 units, right? Does it change what I weigh? Because I want it to change. Because I think it's more fair that today I weigh 10 pounds less than I actually do. It's numbers are restrictive, guys. A scale is restrictive. It's, if it's set and, and bottomed out at zero and it's dialed in properly, when you stand on it, you, that's what it is. We can't, we, we can try to fabricate it, we can try to change the numbers, but we know that reality says that's what we weigh, good or bad or indifferent, right? We can't, it does not lie. It, so it's, Whatever that number reads when you step on there, every other number is restricted. 
Does that make sense? No other number fits. No other number can you scribble in there with a Sharpie on top of that and say, this is accurate now. It's restrictive. It's restrictive to the weight that you currently are. Okay? A clock. Everybody in the world deals with this restrictiveness. We, we hear and we think of time restrictions, right? Oh, I've, I'm so time restricted. I, I just got this or that. The whole world deals with time, and we deal with time restrictions. I, if, 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 I, if Brian and I have a meeting today or tomorrow at, at 545, and we agree upon that, and I show up at 555, uh, that's wrong. It's, it's, we, our meeting was restricted to that one time. I can't say, well, but really what I you know, meant or what this really means, you know, I can't reason it away. It's restrictive. Does that seem fair? Reasonable, right? It's restrictive. We, can't, we live by the restrictive rules every day, and we, we think nothing of them, and we accept them because they're truth, right? They, they, they allow for continuity, and they allow for, for fun, us to function, right? A clock is, allows us to function. We've agreed that 4.45 is a certain time, and we agreed upon that. Okay, let me give you another one. The law of gravity. Okay. Brian, catch this water bottle. Okay. Now, I'm going to throw it at you just like I did, but don't catch it. Okay. Any, anybody up for that, for that? Anybody up for not catching it? Because the law of gravity, you say that you are, but I'll hit you in the face with it and you'll see how it feels, right? Because your hands don't go up and it's going to hit you in the face. And then you're not going to be able to say, well, wow, the law of gravity just isn't fair today, right? It's just, it's so restrictive, you know? We, uh, we, it, it is. It, it's restrictive. It's restrictive to the fact that it will happen and it will happen. And if I jump off of this stage, I will, I'll be down here. I'll fall, probably, okay? Just like if I throw this water bottle, it's restrictive. There's no other option to gravity. I was watching, there was some, Apollo 13 was on television yesterday at work, and I saw some of it. And it's, you know, they're up in the ship, and it's just, stuff's just, and it's just amazing. Well, on Earth, there is no capsule. There is no way to recreate a lack of gravity, unless you free fall, right? And things just appear to float. But it's not gravity that's missing. We can't change the laws, the principles of gravity, and no one would even try. It's a law of gravity, right? So if I throw this to Brian, no matter how much I try to convince him that gravity will not do its job, he's going to put his hands up. And I'm not going to throw it again so you don't have to be on edge. But I think that makes my point pretty well. The law of gravity, we all accept it. It's very restrictive, okay? It's very restrictive. The next one, the law of thermodynamics. Now, let's get in. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to get in details of the law. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I know you, Dane. You don't know. But what I do know is that this is how it's defined in Wikipedia or other places. Listen to the wording. The four fundamental laws of thermodynamics express what? Empirical facts. Empirical facts. You won't argue you won't reason away, and you won't be mad at because it's factual, because it's truth, because it's, right? We won't argue it. We won't have a discussion about it. It's, it's by definition, it, it restricts any other possibility, 
Okay? Makes sense? All right. Now, this one. I, who, raise your hand if you have a $20 bill on you. Jason. Okay. I want to trade you. Okay? Is that, will you trade me for this? Where I, would you trade me for this? No. Why? Would we trade, would it be an equal trade? Well, I say it would be. Right? I say this, I'll, you give me your 20 and I'll give you this and it's equal trade. It's the same way with the clock or with anything else. It's restrictive. We have agreed that this is not the equivalent of a $20 bill. We hold ourselves to that standard and everybody else to that same standard and we accept its restrictiveness. The truth that this little one, think about that for a second, this little one tells me that it's not fair and tells him that it's not fair to trade the exact, almost the exact same piece of paper, right, made out of the same material with a different face on it and a different number, that it's not an equivalent. It's a fact. It's truth, right? We have, we understand that. It's very restrictive in that it is what it is, right? So we can make up tons of counterfeit bills, but it doesn't make it the real thing. It's restrictive, okay? That is the only $1 bill, that actual $1 bill is the only one that we can fairly use because it was designed for that. No counterfeit will do. So, my point in all this simplicity is that we live by a nature of restrictiveness every day. Every day. And we welcome it. It benefits our lives in a lot of ways. Now I want to look at this going back again to the question of why does it seem that the path to heaven is so narrow or so restricted? I want to look at it through the eyes of Jesus. <clears throat> so this is how as we might complain or we might look at God and say it seems so unfair and so so it seems so difficult and and you know like you're playing favorites almost let's look at it through the eyes of our savior first of all then i urge that supplications prayers intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people notice the inclusiveness in a lot of these uh, verses that all, for all people even for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it pleases, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Now listen to this next verse. Who desires all people to be saved and come to the saving knowledge of truth. Okay? He desires that all people. So we have to put it in perspective as we teach somebody and teach our children that what, what does, when God looks down at us, what's his viewpoint on this restrictive nature? Okay, his viewpoint is that he wants all people to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved, right? All people. For there is one God and there is one, see, there's some restrictive terminology there. One, and there's one mediator, and there's one God between men, and the man is Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for who? For a select few, right? No, not at all. So whereas it may appear super restrictive, understand that Jesus' point and his purpose is to be completely inclusive. Isn't that amazing? He's, God doesn't say, okay, just, just the Jews, right, and, and now, just the Jews, you are the only ones that can have salvation. 
Okay, or just those of you who make over $186,000 a year, only then you, right? Or only if you were born like the caste system, only if you were born with royal blood pumping through your veins, only then are you qualified. That's restrictive. What's not restrictive is that Jesus says that he would that all men should be saved, okay? This is through Christ, his eyes. The next verse is Romans 9. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Stop and just chew on that verse for a second. Let's break it down. What if God, the creator, and Shay's prayer said the creator, uh, magnificent, the author of all things, what if God, the supreme being, desiring to show his wrath and his power, right, his destructive capabilities, what if he, this God, has endured with much patience (laughs) the wrath? He has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Who is he talking about? You. 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 Me. We are vessels of wrath. Vessels of wrath that deserve to be destroyed. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also the Gentiles, as indeed he prays, says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people, and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. So these vessels, you and I, of wrath and dishonor and, and evil, essentially, he has made, and if you read through the rest of that Romans there, he talks about vessels made of clay. That's what we are. But he has made us vessels of honor. And he desires that for each and every one of us. And, and even out there, the most wicked, vile person that we see and meet, that he, he desires for them to be saved. He desires for them to become a vessel of honor. He even gave Pharaoh ample time to submit to his will, but he didn't, right? He, was, he chose to be a vessel of wrath. So this verse is really important in understanding his mercy towards us. When we were vessels of dishonor, he chose to honor us through Christ. That's inclusive. And not only is it inclusive, but it's really unfair to him, isn't it? It's unfair to him to, to while we were yet sinners, that Christ would come and die for us. That's unfair to him. When, when people look at God and they say, wow, he just doesn't seem very fair, I'd say, you're right. <laughs> the things he has done for us is not fair to him. It's not fair. But let us not be confused or manipulated to think that God is so restrictive that it's unfair. Or that this path, this doorway that leads into heaven, that's not reasonable. We see from these verses that that couldn't be further from the truth. And here in John 6 it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
All that the Father gives me will come, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast them out. It's not restrictive. If you come to me, I will never cast you out. Luke 15. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she lose one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? She didn't restrict herself to the nine others. She found value in the one as well. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you that there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That doesn't sound quite as restrictive anymore, does it? The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. Who, who is allowed to repent? Just the chosen few? No. I would that all men should be saved. And Romans chapter 3 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested or made known apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. See that? There is no distinction. There is no class system. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And that's, again, one thing I love about the church. We, we, don't, we don't set, you know, according to our class in society. You know, that front pew or back pew is not reserved for the wealthy only. That would be restrictive. If God said, you know, you need to divide according to your, your income, according to your status in society, that would be restrictive. But he says there's no distinction between the two, none. There is no preference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine, there's that word forbearance, that long suffering. He waited on us to become vessels of righteousness. His divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus doesn't restrict us. In, <laughs> Jesus does not restrict us into going to heaven. God does not restrict us. God doesn't, you know, shave a little bit off that gate or that path to make it harder to get there. You and I add the restrictive principles. That's what happens. And when we deal with people, we need to be honest about that, that we add the restrictions. God is, is desiring that all men to be saved. And this is the key to all of this, is that the narrowness of heaven, or any truth, lies in the fact that I cannot manufacture my own truth. Heaven is restrictive because I can't redesign it. I can't redesign the path that God put forward in order to get there. It's restricted because it's restricted to God and His authority only. 
I can't not like the way that God did it and change it. And so, therefore, it's restricted. It's restricted because we want to change it. Not we, you and I, but the world wants to change it. They want to, well, why does it include this group of people? And maybe it's a sinful thing. Well, I think that this type of people, no. Jesus, God has set the restrictions in place for heaven, and we cannot alter that. Just like I can't alter gravity so that the water bottle doesn't smash Brian's face. It's, it is restrictive. Heaven is restrictive. But at the same time, if you can wrap your mind around it, it's all-inclusive. And that God says, I would, that all men should be saved. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He says, I am that door. That's restrictive. It couldn't be more restrictive. Jesus said, there is one way into this building, and it's through me. The restrictiveness is when you say, I'm not going to go in to that door. Or I'm going to try to pound my way through this brick wall to make another entrance. And you fail, and we fail, and we fail, right? Jesus is restrictive. But at the same time, his arms are completely wide open. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man goes to the Father but through me. And people tend to hate the restrictiveness that that, that incurs. They, they tend to hate that restrictiveness of one God, one Father, one mediator between God and man, right? Because it's in our nature to rebel. It's in our nature to want to change and, and reformat a way that we think is better. And it's not fair. And we, we have got to deal honestly with people who ask this question, why does heaven, why does the path to heaven seem so narrow? It's because we try to recreate it. We try to pretend something away. <clears throat> These three paths here represent the straight path, which would be the middle path, the path to the right, and the path to the left. And what we have to realize, you and I, our children, our friends, our non-Christian buddies, our non-Christian co-workers, we all are looking at these same three paths. We all have them before us. You know, we went hiking recently, and we mostly survived. Um, but beautiful trail, and there was one path. You know, what was distinctive about this, it was really easy to follow that path, wasn't it? I mean, as far as, like, it, it wasn't easy to, to actually physically walk it, but it was really easy to know you didn't veer a whole lot. Let's put it that way, right? Because if you veered... There was going to be rocks. That The danger of veering was immediate. It was evident. It was very apparent to us, right? We, we stayed on the least <laughs> restrictive path. We stayed on the safest path, even though it's difficult. What's challenging about life, though, that I find is that it's not always that way, especially for our children, that as they mature, the, the paths don't... There are three distinct paths, but yet... The, the danger that lies to the right or to the left isn't quite as obvious to them as it is to us, or to the world as it is to us, right? To us on the trail the other day, it was very obvious. If I step over just a few inches, there's a cliff there. 
I know the dangers are clear, but a lot of times in life they're not that clear. They're not that clear, are they? It, it, we just don't know. But Jesus warns us. He warned the, the children of Israel time and time again about the dangers of the left and the right. Let's look at a couple verses. <clears throat> in Deuteronomy it says, You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. Be careful. Like, watch your steps. Head the right direction. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in the way the Lord your God has commanded you. Then you may live, and it may be well with you. You may live long in land. This is restrictive, but it's restrictive for a good purpose, a great value to us. That path that we were on was restrictive, and it protected us from the cliff or from the boulders up here. What God is trying to tell us, and he's trying to tell the world, everybody, is that I, there are different paths. I haven't restricted you to no paths. I haven't made you a robot where you have to obey. I haven't made you, I haven't formatted your brain in a way that there's, it's like a computer and it can only do one thing. He says, I have given you options. You have multiple paths to choose from. You can turn to the right and you can turn to the left, but let me tell you what it looks like to stay in the middle. He wants us to be restricted to the middle, but by choice. That's the restrictive nature of God. And it's beautiful. Another verse that talks about this is in Proverbs. The writer there says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. That's a powerful verse. Ponder the path of your feet. Uh, That's a strong desire that each of us have for those that we love. To ponder the ways of their feet. Ponder their path. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. And keep or turn your foot away from evil. Those paths to the right offer great danger. God gave us that insight. And we need to share that insight with those that we talk about this with. A really insightful verse in Proverbs is, Proverbs 16 and 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. The right and left, are those are our paths. Those are our plans. Those are when we decide not to allow ourselves to be restricted by God, and therefore we design this new plan, this new path. Many paths are there that seem right to man, but the end is death. That's restrictive. <clears throat> when I look at this gate, this castle, I'll imagine there's two people inside this castle looking out. Right? They live there, they're looking outside this castle, and they're seeing this front gate. One of them looks out and says, I feel safe. I'm glad that gate's there. I'm glad that fence is there. I feel safe here. The other looks out at that gate and says, I hate this place. It, it confines me. It keeps me from doing what I want to do. Two, two people can look out the same window at the same gate and have two completely different mindsets. That's amazing to me. The, the human brain 
we can allow ourselves to lie to ourselves or to be influenced in a way that tells us something that's not true. It's dangerous. That's why God says, don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Walk down the center of the path where you're protected and safe. It's restrictive, yes. <laughs> it's restrictive. You have to come to terms with that. <clears throat> Looking at the same exact gate, one hates it and the other loves it. Now what I want us to do is I want us to see Jesus as a fence. I want us to see when we look at him and his, his word, his commandments, his desires for us, do we see that, that fence and we say, thank you, God, for this protective, this safe place that you have given me that I know that my path is safe. I know that I'm guarded, I'm protected. Or do we look at that fence and say, I cannot stand the God that you are because you stifle me. You, you don't let me out. I don't get to be me and make my own choices. Therefore, I, I'm going I'm to tear down that fence or jump that fence and, and go to the right or to the left. It's all a matter of perspective on how we view Jesus. And this is a really important, a really important piece. When we deal with people in the world, how do they view? We've got to give them a right view of God, a right understanding of his inclusive desire and nature for us and for them. And to show them his good desire for them. Right? He doesn't desire for destruction. He doesn't desire to smash those pots, those vessels of dishonor. He desires to turn them into vessels of honor, of value. And I want people to know that. I want people to understand that, yeah, the, the path that leads to heaven is, is narrow. And the gate that, that opens up to it is not wide. But there is reasons for that. And I want them to understand it. <clears throat> not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is a very restrictive verse. The requirement is that we do the will of the Father which is in heaven. I'll leave you with this thought. It's almost as if God says, my will be done, and if not, than yours. And, you know, that's not how he wants it. That's not how he wants it. He doesn't want us to live by our own will. So hopefully this helps us to address this issue if someone was to ask it or to challenge the thought that you know, Jesus just doesn't seem fair. He doesn't seem reasonable. God's plan just, it excludes way too many people. But we know that's a lie. And may we have something to combat that, to challenge that with truth. Just that verse that said that Jesus said that all men, he would that all men should be saved and come to that knowledge of truth, that truth. Know that truth in and of itself, in its basic definition, is restrictive. It's restrictive. Let's not be ashamed of this, of the restrictiveness of God, and let's explain to people how it's actually for, our, for their benefit, for our own benefit.
Uh, let's stand and have the invitation song. Thank you for your attention. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.